Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So welcome everybody. It's lovely that those of you who can join us live and also on the podcast later. So I'm delighted that we've got um, Ed Rendell, our med- one of our medical directors with us, Lisa Harding, one of our directors of primary care, and um, Don Chowcraft, our deputy director. So welcome everybody. And my name is Louise Greenwood, and I'm um, director of education and training here at Wessex LMCs. So there's been quite a lot happening over the last couple of days. A few documents have been thrown about. So I think we're going to go to Ed straight away. And he's going to talk to us, at, first of all, a little, a little bit about some of the documents that have come out and um, get what you've seen in them and what the contents are. So, Ed, I'm going to hang over to, hand over to you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, um, I suppose that the big document we've had out recently, which came out on Tuesday morning, and you probably would have seen the news, is the delivery plan, plan for recovering access to primary care. So we've been sort of trailed this since um, before Christmas, I think. It was due out in January. So um, I think that sort of tells you there's been a, a fair bit of toing and froing on it and uh, looking to get the content sort of finally agreed and released. I think that sort of reflects in the in you read it as a, a little bit sort of um, feels like it's all been patched together. I think it's had a lot of people influenced it. Um, first, I'll just quickly mention the, um, <clears throat> I think people would have seen prior to this with the contract in position this year, there was... There were changes in the uh, PCN DES, um, and there's 70% of the money around IIF will be, uh, or there's a there's a pot of money within IIF which has reduced number of indicators, and 70% of that will be paid to PCNs on a sort of unconditional basis. There's a 30% um, of that pot of money around sort of access plans, um, and it's just to highlight that the deadlines move from the 12th of May, which is only two days away, to the 30th of June which I think they've been waiting for this um, document to come out. So um, <clears throat> we, we've been trying to engage with ICBs just to um, make the assessment of that sort of pragmatic and realistic. So that 30% will be a locally agreed plan with um, ICBs and they will ask practices to um, come up with a, a plan um, and they will assess it uh, locally. And we've been trying to uh, influence that as we can. I think the message we should have perhaps in those bits would be um <clears throat> it would be from our point of view realistic to look at how you maintain asset access so you know we're actually looking at a lot of our practices have got really excellent access at this point in time so um from our point of view you know a plan might Im- include what you would want to do to maintain that excellent access rather than sort of trying to push it up to a, a level which is unrealistic um and the other thing i think is i think with practices we all agree that uh, it's looking it's called a capacity and access plan um, I think we would challenge access as the issue. If you if you speak to most people on the ground working in general practice, access isn't an issue. It's it's the capacity and the demand which are the the issue. So I think we would encourage within plans you could think beyond access and say what leads to access. So if you need to build up more capacity, um, or even you know things like wider things like a state, what, what would help you maintain your access? So and and sort of thinking a little bit more broadly. Um, and it's that then having those conversations with ICBs. So um, hopefully that's um, those bits will come and we'll try and uh, um, discuss and sort of maintain that pragmatism with ICBs. The last thing on that would be just realistic costings. So this is money that's going to PCNs rather than practices, and that limits uh, its usefulness in terms of uh, the wider practice staff. Um, and it's a 30% of the, the total. So just um, realistic sort of monetary um, considerations around those plans. So that's all been developing. We've known about that. Um, and we've known about this delivery plan for recovering access to primary care. 
was due. Um, so yeah, it came out early on Tuesday. I feel very underprepared for this still, but I was, I was slightly less prepared yesterday. I went to Wiltshire clinical directors meeting and I, I saw it had landed about six minutes before that meeting. So uh, hopefully I've, I've had a chance to sort of fully read it and digest it now. Um, it's 45 pages long. I'll put the link in the, uh, I think, is it the chat, Louise? Is that the right one? Just in there. Um, I'd be yeah, interested, actually, fun. if anyone's sort of, uh, anyone's had a read, read of it. Yeah, I don't know if you if you fancy, but you're welcome to put it in the chat if you've uh, put a quick yes or a no, if you've uh, read it or read it all or read some of it or found it. Uh, just be interesting to to know how much it's, um, you know, you felt that it's something you, you want to look at. I think it would be, I think this is a document that is worth knowing of. I think it's worth, um, you know, maybe you don't read the whole thing and there's a sort of summary on the start, but I think it is a document to sort of to be aware of, um, unlike some of the reports that uh, that come through. Um, it's quite a political report. So this is, you know, their stated main aim is to stop the 8 a.m. rush, make it easier and quicker for patients to get the help that they need in primary care. So this is a vision um around what they would like to be able to say to um the population in terms of we have done something to improve that situation which is frustrating um quite a lot in it it's sort of bolting on things that we've sort of known on before i, I don't think there's any new money in here i don't think there's new money from the treasury um to the department of health i think the department of health have found some money uh within it but a lot of that's going towards um pharmacy as part of primary care so we've got um, pharmacy dental um, opticians and general practice as part of primary care and I think increasingly they're they're sort of viewing the whole lot together uh, there is a pot of money towards um, sort of cloud-based telephony within general practice so 240 million um, but <clears throat> as far as I can see there's not sort of extra money to help practices do the things they're sort of saying Cutting to the chase, the big bit is the um, this um, suggestion. I think we've seen that in the contract in position around what to do when the patient contacts you um, as a practice. And what they would hope um, is that within uh, the patient contacting on the same day, there would be a, a same day assessment of the need. And if it was urgent, they would be seen that day or, or very close to that day. And if not, they would be seen within two weeks. So I think, and I think on the Wiltshire call yesterday, that that was the challenge sort of, so everyone's phoning in and then, you know, I think if someone's saying they're really struggling, practices have ways of making that happen, but to sort of say, okay, we don't have that, but you'll be seen within two weeks, here's your appointment. I think that is the challenge. I think I'll just come back to the bit I was saying before. I think, I think this document has to be viewed as an aspiration from NHS England, a vision, a view um, this isn't a contract. So I think it's it's interesting to see what they're looking at. And I think we need a bit more time to digest it. And we've asked the BMA for a view on this, but it's um, I, I would caution against reading the words within these documents and following them by rote. I think, you know, we, need, we probably need to <coughs> assess that more fully, but I think there's words within here such as should, and they're not using the word must in terms of what might be done. Um, and I think the, the whole premise of the whole document is, you know, this is not our contract. This is a sort of a vision. So I think it's um, it, it's certainly going to be pushed on. But I think it, it's um, we're going to have to all sort of work out how that how that works and how we go from there. I think the other bit that um, people have looked at is in, in page 11, where it's suggesting and it's using the word should 
uh, is suggesting that if um, a uh, oh, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, if there's uh, it's suggesting that we shouldn't be signposting to one 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 routinely through the day, uh, and we should be informing the ICBs if we're doing that. I think that's a change in what was expected. I think that's sort of uh, people are looking at that um, as things. So I think it's challenging today because I need to highlight these issues because I think people will sort of say what's oh, in the plan, it needs to be done. But I think on that last point about not using 111, I think it, it the, the word should is really important there. So it's uh, practices shouldn't refer on to 111 routine and practices um, should inform the commissioner of it. I mean, other LMCs have seen this, and I think there's there's a uh, we we get national chat, and there's, there's a view that this is sort of all purely advisory. If that makes sense, it's lovely, and they'd like to think that's what's happening. I think the the contract bit is uh, the bit that we need to need to see. So that's that's the main thrust of it. Um, I, I think it was interesting on the call yesterday. Very welcome to take questions and hear views in the chat. I think it it um, I, I think it was. Felt you know essentially this had no new money with it, and I think it, it it's um, be interesting to view how achievable. Um, say that we we sort of took that as something we all wanted to do. How achievable that sounds to practices. I think it felt very unachievable to the practices there, and I think the the bit that was interesting it, it sort of lent the people on that call to think about a little bit more around BMA safer working and what they how they may respond to this in terms of having uh, capacity um, built into their um, systems. Otherwise, if you don't have any outer limit, what happens when you know patients are phoning up and must be seen within two weeks? But I think that's an interesting discussion. Um, there's quite a lot else in there, so I'll just pause on. That's the main bit I think to look at. There's um, the, I mean, there's bits around the NHS app, so trying to encourage that and the use of that. I think I don't think that. Um, I think that's probably fairly welcome. Um, I've used it for my surgery it does save icbs a fair chunk of money from um sort of texting budgets and things like that so it's probably something that practices can easily do and actually aids um you know things like re ordering repeat prescriptions and moving to more digital so i think that's fair enough um expanding self-referral pathways um looking at the list um well I'm, I'm a gp in wiltshire i think we already have um physio self-referral and podiatry self-referral but there were some interesting ones around sort of getting into that more so wheelchair self uh, wheelchair assessments and um i think there were some other bits around more detailed musculoskeletal so uh, that'll be interesting to see where that goes um the other main bit is is using pharmacy so as i said to I said before so there's um uh i think it was in the 600 millions or, or so was going to community pharmacy to look at um them doing um a number of conditions and also being the sort of first point of contact so they've we've got that already so there is a, a scheme around that and you know you'd expect also before that you know a, a pharmacist would be able to deal with um insect bites or mild eczema and things like that this is looking at um there's seven conditions and trying to um use pharmacies a little bit more at that point so simple uncomplicated utis shingles was on there infected insect bites so there's, there's a few slightly more meteor things we'd ask to look at. Um, I think my comment on that would be that it, it really depends on the state of general practice and the pharmacies, community pharmacies and the relationship uh, where you are. So some some places that's already flying and there's practices of phoning GPs, they're using this scheme and 
moving patients across to, I think there's five conditions on it at the moment uh, and getting seen. Um, other places, it's really not happening, but I think that would perhaps be an action just in terms of um, considering how there are links with community pharmacy. I know in my main pharmacy where I live, it's uh, it's going to be challenging. I don't think they've got an assessment room and usually there's about 20 people waiting. So it's I don't think it's going to be uh, the answer of everything, but it's certainly the the big thrust of where things are looking at. I mean, even in this document, they're saying it's two or three percent of general practice appointments. So even though it's a huge amount of money, a real change, it's it's not going to create a huge change in the appointments coming through. Uh, they've got this phrase, modern general practice access. So I think they they want to, you know, I think the model they want is a, a, a GP surgery that has online and a cloud-based telephony telephone system uh, and then it, everything everyone comes in at different ways or they walk in and then it's all assessed um, you know things like ask my GP um, sort of a, a sort of an online system um, and then everyone is seen either that day or within two weeks and it's sort of this almost total triage model and I think some practices do do that and like that I think I would just sort of reflect as I said earlier this isn't uh, from my view at this point in time isn't sort of obligatory it's um it's a, a vision of what they want to do and i think uh, as i said before it's it's to consider but um not necessarily have to go that way but if it suits the practice sometimes it really suits the practice and it, it works so much better other places it doesn't um there's bits on training so i think Louise will look at later um uh, there's a bit around encouraging gps to stay in practice through pension reforms i think we've already heard of them again it's sort of recycled in here and then there's a, a bit on bureaucracy so um there's a very interesting little bit um later in where later on where the department of um, health and social care would encourage people to sort of email them with a well, i think it's a quick survey of three little boxes to say of things that annoy them bureaucratically um so i'll try and find the link and put it in the chat later um and you're very welcome to to um send them the niggles that uh, annoy you um uh it's um it, it's it builds on uh, there's there's a concordant of reducing bureaucracy in general practice which you may or may not be aware of but it's trying to encourage other government departments not to push on to general practice when they don't need to i suppose an example would be uh, as a gp now i can't sign a passport photo unless i i say i really really know them i can't do it for patients anymore and they've sort of tried to speak to other departments to sort of minimize people coming to general practice for requests um and then lastly there is a um integrated care boards will have a responsibility to uh, look at four areas of the primary secondary care interface um it's a long document they're not quite to my hand but it, one of them is uh looking at fit notes um and inappropriate requests and things like that so i think that's that's an area we should well we i've already mentioned it to uh one of the uh icbs and i think we need to um uh hold to that um there'll be Boards will be asked to um, discuss that in public in their autumn meetings and, and come up with a plan locally. Uh, right, that's it. So in summary, it's a plan. Uh, it's um, from NHS England. Uh, I think it's their aspiration. Uh, I would query doing exactly what it says. Um, I, I think it does uh, create practices sort of thinking around what they want to do around BMA safer working and that side of things in response to it. Um, and we'll get a little bit more detail out as we go. And sorry, it's slightly uh, uh, doing some late reading last night. So I hope that came across okay. Thank you. No apology necessary. That has been so useful, Ed. Thank you so much. So 
from this, you would sort of suggest if people haven't read it, probably to have a look at it and get discussions going within their practice. That's probably the best thing they can do now. And then we're waiting for a bit more detail, waiting for some more, or ICBs will be also reading it and they'll also be trying to assess it and passing some information down. So we're in a sort of watching, waiting and thinking time, aren't we? I think so, yeah. Even even the BMA, I think, would have, they've, they've been part of the stakeholder list, but I think, you know, for the final report, they would have to absorb it and look at it. I think we're digesting it. It'll probably be in our intro uh, in the newsletter this week, so we'll get a little bit more out of that. Um, but I just have an inquisitive mind about the... Um, you know, if, if you're being told this must be done, I think that would be my main top tip would be ask, is it contractual or is it a suggestion? That'd be and my I think main you put that it, the word must isn't often used, it's the word should. And that's quite a different. Yeah, I think the, bit, the bits they're saying should should not use, should not. And even even if they're in this document, is that contractual? So I think, you know, I think there's more to land. I wouldn't sort of... Uh, uh, I wouldn't go and say it was quoted and I've told it's not going to I, I, I think we're still early in learning about this, but that, that would be my curiousness here. So I think if, if, if you know, the media and ICBs and others are sort of pushing and patients are sort of pushing on, this is the thing that must happen. I think just have an inquisitive mind and a curiosity to say, is that actually something I have to do because it's contractual or is that a perception that everyone wants to do that plan? And what is my response? What's my choice in that? And Lovely we'll we'll, we'll get more out and try and guide you with that. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would, I'd have it on you. I'd have it somewhere you can get to it. Um, you're welcome to read it. I think the there's a there's a helpful summary on the, the third page. I'd, I'd perhaps have a quick look at that. Yeah, and there's just been a comment in the in the chat. Perhaps an immediate concern is ICBs will say it as a must do, and certainly patients will. So in the semantics, yep. we don't know how much. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. So I think there's obviously much more discussion to have on that. And just one thing that um, I did pick out from the document that some of you would have seen, possibly the National General Practice Improvement Programme is mentioned, support and training for practices. Um, and I'm interested in that. I'm interested to know what we can do to sort of get hold of some of that to help you. Um, and we've got somebody from NHS England coming to talk about this at our Innovations Conference on the 6th of July. So obviously we won't be waiting till then, but that will be an opportunity to find out more and to discuss and find out exactly what you might be able to get hold of, um, which will be helpful. So that could be helpful for you too. And I'm just going to see some other bits have just gone in the chat now. Um, One was me. So I, I found that if you if you wanted to look at... Um, uh, yeah, if you, if you find something that really annoys you, you can click on this link and tell the Department of Health and Social Care. So if there's some bureaucracy thing that's sort of, it's a very short form and it's uh, uh, worth doing. And then I found the bit where the chief medical officers in each ICB are asked to look at um, certain areas around the primary secondary care interface um, and then do a report on it to the boards through the um, through the autumn. So I'll just put those on the chat in a second. Onward referrals, uh, completion of fit notes, call and recall systems and clear points of contracts, contact. So, you know, they failed. I think that's another good point. You know, this is in this plan. Um, I think for them, they would view that as a should. You know, it's not something that's come through contractually. It's been there for, this isn't you. They've had to do it for a long point, a long amount of time. So I think, uh, you know, I think if someone's quoting that the plan must be enforced and I think, brilliant and please you know can we enforce it all uh, including those bits i think that would be the the thing to look at um that's a good point Ed. i mean another comment in the chat the problem is patients are going to focus on that the new, the new contract has to come into effect on the 15th and yet they're still awaiting information yes we can just completely um sympathize with that and it, it is frustration that these things are all sent so late without the detail we really need um another concern is much of it 
much of it, many of us do, internet phones, pharmacy referrals, referrals etc. But the ICB seem to think we need the same plans. Yeah, um, we're with you on that. Um, and the more we can do, and uh, we can re absolutely assure you that the four ICBs we work with, we do push back as much as we can and ask for information too, because they're probably, I don't know, I don't know when the ICBs receive this information, probably not much earlier than anybody else, um, but I'm sure they are talking it through and thinking it through um, equally. So thank you, Ed. I don't think at the moment there are any more questions on that. Um, I don't think Dawn and Lisa have got anything particular. Or Lisa, did you want to add something? Uh, only I think there's a question in the in the um, chat about online access. Um, and yes, that is from 31st of October. That is a contractual requirement for prospective access to over 16s. Good spot. Thank you, Lisa. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that, that sort of highlights So You know, this is a plan. This is um, not the contract, but yes, we have been imposed with the contract and yeah, that will be part of it. So yeah, it's just it's just separating what is, which one is which one before you're sort of taking action. I think as Louise said, you know, there's very, that's the beauty of general practice. There's many different models and, you know, it may, what's, what's in this document may be exactly where you want to go and you want to sort of move to, actually this gives us an oomph to, to be sort of more total triage and everyone's coming perhaps a population that's younger, more urban and, you know, it's suit your doctors, suit your population and, you know, great in this case. But I think if you're not in that situation, you've got a different uh, workforce issues, environment, geography, history, um, then you do have a choice in how you respond to it. Great. Thank you, Ed. That's really helpful. And we really appreciate you coming in to talk about that. And I know you're staying on for the next, the next item. So having a, just going to mention the learning disability and autism training. Um, the Health and Care Act 2022 requires CQC registered service providers to make sure all their employees receiving, receive learning disability and autism training appropriate for their role. Now, you may have heard this being referred to as the Oliver McGowan mandatory training, um, but the essential thing is that it's your staff do need learning disability and autism training. And one um, training package is the Oliver McGowan training package. So there is some free e-learning from e-learning for health, and you can choose to use that, or you can choose to another resource if you prefer. Um, CQC's um, view on this is that the Oliver McGowan mandatory training is the government's preferred and recommended training for health and social care. So I just think we, we just bring it up again. We, we've talked about this before. It's been on our newsletters, but it's just come up again as, as one of our areas. It's had a, some little bit of information out from their ICB. So it is, um, as I say, part of the Health and Care Act that CQC registered providers, i.e. all general practice, do make sure that their um, staff have learning disability and autism training that is appropriate for their role. You can choose to do the Oliver McGowan training if you want to, or there will be, there will be other training providers. The difficulty is the code of practice which underpins all this training and says exactly what you need to do and how to measure any other resource you want to use isn't quite out yet. We understand this is waiting for patient sign off and it's great to think some patients have got some involvement in this, but so we're still in the middle of a, we're not quite sure. Um, I think because CQC will be looking, I think if you know CQC um, might be visiting you soon, it doesn't do any harm to do some other training, so I think you might want to get that under your belt. One of the things to bear in mind is that the e-learning, if you're going to do the Oliver McGowan, has to be done a certain number of months before you do the face-to-face -face learning. And we can tell you lots more about that, but actually about the most important thing to know is be aware and absolutely make sure that your staff are all aware. Choose to do as a practice what you want to do and then make sure you've just documented what you've chosen to do and ICBs will be sending information through. Um, and some ICBs are choosing to offer 
day face-to-face training, um, but we're waiting for the code of practice, which is absolutely going to give us the fine detail. Um, Ed, did you want to come in on this? Yeah, really helpful summary. Thank you. And yeah, I, I agree. I've had about three or four emails about this in the last week or so. Um, I think the, the bit in the chat is in the number of this. So um, the suggested training package from the government, which isn't mandatory and isn't specified in statute, um, uh, states that there'll be a, a, a whole day, um, I think, face-to-face uh, training as part of that for all staff. So I think I think that's the issue that everyone's sort of going, oh my goodness, you know, I can cope with the the smaller online learning, but if every single one of our staff needs to leave the practice, and this this is across the whole of health and social care, um, so in in you know across the area we cover, it's a huge number of people. Um, so I think that that's what's caused everyone to sort of pause a little bit. The bit you need, I'll just pop in the chat, is the CQC MythBuster on this. I think we um, supported it being amended to be clear on this. Uh, and that's the bit you need to be clear on that is um, it is statutory now to have training in this area. There is a suggested government package and it's up to practices what they want to do. And it's a bit of uncertainty at this point. I guess the question is, what would CQC want to see if they were coming? I think uh, um, it probably if, if you've got an, a CQC inspection upcoming, you probably want to be leaning on there website and they tend to like risk assessment so probably a very short less than one side of a4 risk assessment on it saying we recognize us in statute for Oliver mcgowan we recognize they haven't got all the information we recognize a suggested one and at this point in time we you know you may want to say we've got an in-house package which gives something on this and that's our current position but we recognize we'll have to move on that and we'll review it at different points i think they just want to see uh um, a thought process of uh, of an understanding that there's something coming and usually they like it written down. So just a very short piece on it. Um, yeah, so I think that's the main main issues on it. So yeah, d- don't panic is the message. Um, it, it is, we've clocked that uh, a um, whole day out for every single member of the practice is a significant thing. Uh, and at this point in time, it's um, it's just being aware that that's not mandatory. Absolutely. And there's more information on our website, which I'll pop in the chat in a minute. Thank you, Ed. So, Lisa, I think we're going to come to you now about a locum agreement. Thanks, Louise. And uh, this is just a quick mention because I think we put it in the newsletter last week. Um, The BMA have published a GP locum agreement, um, which is broken down into two parts. There's a terms and conditions element um, and a work schedule. The terms and conditions um, obviously need to be signed and agreed by both parties practicing the locum. um, And once used, can be used as a framework for all future engagements, um, but with a suggestion that it's reviewed time to time. Uh, the work schedule sets out what the locum has agreed to, to undertake on each engagement and should be be sort of refreshed each time that the locum agrees to work at a practice. Um, the the um, idea is that it should hopefully reduce um, the risk for both locums and practices and reduce the chance of disputes. Um, it's been drafted by BMA law on behalf of the BMA, but it's not mandatory. It's um, recommended as, as uh, good practice, but it's not mandatory. So it's there if, if you'd like to use it. Thank you, Lisa. That's great. Um, Dawn, I think we're coming to you next about vaccines. Lovely. Thanks, Louise. Yes, again, um, 
not too onerous, but just to mention on vaccinims, as we know, there have been a number of changes this year, 23-24, for the vaccinims programmes. And on our webpage that I'm just going to post in the chat for you again, um, if you'd like to take a look, in particular, there's a very helpful flowchart on the shingles cohorts, and that's courtesy of our colleagues at um, Southeast IMS and Screening Team. It is quite uh, complex, the uh, shingles this, well, not just this year, but going forward over the next five years. And they've done a really helpful flowchart chart. Um, and also, I thought I'd give a mention as well to uh, checking your PGDs. As we know, these do come around various times of the, um, well, I say of the year, but they usually are only valued for two to three years. But I know there's been a couple being renewed um, recently, so it's worth looking at those. And on the webpage that I'm just going to put in the chat as well, um, you'll find the links for both Southeast and Southwest so that you can go ahead and check your PGDs and that you're all up to date. Yes, Thanks. it's always important. That comes around so fast, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, there is a new workspace on the NHS Futures and, uh, platform. Um, and for those of you that perhaps already use the platform, you'll know it's very quick and easy to join a new workspace. But NHS England have launched this new workspace. Um, it houses all sorts of content to support vaccination and screening providers, um, materials, learning, ETC, um, all of the above. Um, and yes, you can also sign up or perhaps your practice nurses might like to sign up. There is a weekly summary you can receive for all the various uploads to that workspace. And having had a look at it, it does also include a discussion forum. Um, and I can see a practice nurse has already used the discussion forum to ask wide across the country um, are just a general question. So I'm sure it might be helpful for those working in that area. Perfect. And then should we go on to access? Yes, I think that's a good time. Lovely. Thanks, Louise. OK, so general practice access routes campaign. Yes, um, this isn't anything particularly new, but we know that NHS England have recently updated their resources with the whole GP um, practice access uh, routes that are now possible and available. Um, there's a number of uh, resources and materials um, and NHS England last, I think the last week of April, they sent to all practices um, a whole package which um, included a number of resources for you to use should you want. But these are actually available digitally as well so you might want to edit them um, and if you want to uh, check out where all the resources are. Um, we have actually got a link on our comms webpage that jo Joanne Welsh, our comms officer, has got a communications webpage and you might have already seen that. She's got the whole toolkit or links to the toolkit on that page. Um, and the only thing I would say about the toolkit, if you like, I do notice they use the phrase within some of the materials. They say in inverted commas, our expert GP surgery team. Now, we all know as soon as you put the word GP in there, everybody thinks it's all to do with GPs. And of course, it's not. It's the wider expert team within your surgeries. So if you're editing, you might want to consider taking out that GP word so that it just says our expert surgery team and patients hopefully then will be a bit more appreciative of the whole wider team. But that's all on our comms webpage, like I said, that Lovely. Thank you, Dawn. Um, I think we're going to have a quick note on prescribing um, diabetes management, um, Lisa. 
Yes, thank you. Something which might be of interest to the nursing teams around diabetes. Um, there's been a national assessment into the most clinically appropriate and best value diabetes appliances. Um, and as a consequence, new commissioning recommendations on blood glucose and keto meters, testing strips and lancets have been published. Um, the new guidance recommends 16 appliances from the 90 that are currently available, making prescribing practices hopefully simple simpler for healthcare professionals um, and providing both type 1 and type 2 patients with better quality or best quality products. Um, there's also hopefully a cost saving in there. So I'll put the link on that into the chat. But if you do have any questions, it should be something that your meds management teams can hopefully help with. Um, thanks, Louise. Lovely. Thank you, Lisa. Um, and just finally, I've just got some information that you may already have seen about a digital health leadership programme. I'm sometimes asked about is there any funded leadership and there is sometimes some around. So I just was going to bring this to your attention. It's a 12 month fully accredited postgraduate diploma in digital health leadership. Um, there are eight modules, Essentials of Health System, Principle of Leadership, Digital Transformation and Innovation in Healthcare. Um, it seems to be for anybody working in general practice, um, and there are various criteria, um, but I think it would be worth having a look at if this is of interest to you. And just to let you know, the time commitments is 10 to 15 hours of study time work is required outside of your working week. Um, so it's just it's fully funded at NHS England, and I'm going to put the link in the chat now for you. And I'm conscious there have been lots and lots of links. And those of you who are listening on a podcast, it must be very irritating to hear us talk about the links in the chat and you've got no idea what we're talking about. But just be reassured that if you haven't had access to a link now and you're listening or if you're physically here with us now and still it's difficult for you to sort of catch all the links going on, then we will put all of them on our website page so you can look up um, and the practice, practice manager update webinar section and you can find them all then. So please don't feel that they'll, once, the, once we've closed and said goodbye, they've all gone because we will absolutely given to you or if you can't find them and can't remember just email me and we can certainly send them on to you and finally i have just been advised that the um, sd55s should all be in for pensions by the end of the month so please don't forget to do that that's quite an important thing to do for yourselves and for all your staff so don't forget that one so it's been a little bit of sort of hope having me to too well today there's been a lot of us information imparting to you today but not so many sort of questions for you but hopefully there's been some really important things that have come out and it's been quite helpful for you we will give you more information and more opinion um, as we go on um but thank you so much for joining us and as i say we'll be available on the podcast later and we'll hopefully see you again very soon so thank you to ed who left us a little bit earlier thank you lisa thank you dawn and we'll see you again soon bye-bye everybody Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.